Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw. First down. Leaps his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done it. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? It is Friday. Thanks for checking us out off the bench with Danny Cannell and Rajah Bell. I have good news and I have bad news. Good news is it's Friday. The weekend is next to right around the corner. We're getting ready to get cranked up. We've got the Heisman Trophy, ton of NFL to get to, Army Navy. The bad news is no Rajah Bell today. My boy is out. He was sick. He wasn't feeling good. We're in the infancy of this pod, so we're kind of figuring things out. We're wondering, hey, should we just cancel the thing and just leave it there? But we wanted to give you guys, the listeners, the people who have been tuning in, we wanted to give you an episode. So we're putting it out there. We'll see how it goes. I'm riding solo today. It'll probably go much like my football career, where I was only as good as those guys that were around me, which is not a good thing, because without Raja, we could be in trouble. But we're still going to roll with it. Ton to get to. We're going to get to that Heisman race. We're going to get to uh, our picks and props for the weekend. We've got some great questions from our listeners. So a ton of stuff to get to. And I think we might be on to something because you've got fan bases. You've got people that, you know, root for certain things. You've got podcasts that have loyal followers. I mean, Barstool is the one that comes to mind. They have their stoolies. Uh, you've got the Gator Nation. They love the Florida Gators. I think we might have something for our fans of our podcast off the bench, and our boy Debo came up with it. Debo, you want to drop it on him, the nickname for our, our listeners? Yeah, and I feel like I'm doing this today. How about okay. bench warmers as our loyal <laughs> listeners? What do you think? I, I, it's not bad. I kind of think it could catch on. I think so. Because I've been thinking about that because I think it really is creative when you can come up with ways to get your listeners to feel involved and feel important. Is it insult? Is it insulting at all? No, it's a little okay. corny, but we can't avoid that. <laughs> yes, I mean, but eventually, like a little, a little bit of corniness is okay. So we'll have to see how it goes with Raja, because you know he'll have to have the final say. He, yeah, he can give us a vote. So we'll see how you think. Tell us what you think of it. Make sure you go check us out on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five star review, and hey, you can tell us if you think it's the worst nickname for our listeners ever or the best. I don't know. You tell us. We're also on Google Play, on Stitcher, on TuneIn. Everybody's been asking, hey, what if I don't have Apple? I was anti-Apple for a long time. I finally sucked it up and got the iPhone 10 because I thought it was really cool. But if you're on anything else, you can find us on other avenues. But thanks for checking us out. You guys have been great with the support. Love the fan interaction. If you don't follow our Twitter, at Canel and Bell, make sure you do. Eric, Debo, uh, I can't, what's your last name again, Debo? DeBaradinas. DeBaradinas. That's why we go with Debo. That's his, that's why we have his nickname. He is crushing it. Him and Ryan, our other guy, are crushing it. That was a fantastic video. If you haven't seen it yet, you got to go check it out. It was with Rasillo because we had him on the other day. Uh, you did it, right? You did it? Yeah, you me, created and, it? me and Ryan, uh, tag team effort on that one. Yeah, that was fantastic. From the Fast and the Furious, the, the Paul Walker, the song where he, you know, it's, it's kind of really sad. Like, it was kind of messed up. I thought it was too soon, personally. Like, I think Paul Walker, rest in peace, has not been gone long enough to make that video. But it was still pretty funny. We had a and comment he, where we should have put Ryan on Vin Diesel. That was our only criticism <laughs> because of right. the arms. Yes, exactly. He's the one hitting the gym all the time. But you got to check it out. It's pretty funny. Uh, hopefully people are enjoying that Twitter account. And you've been doing a good job with the clapbacks, too, getting after people who are hating on us because they're out there for sure. Like, I, there are haters out there. They're trolls. But you're doing a great job with them. So check that out uh, on Twitter, at Canel and Belt. Just, all right. Let's get to some stuff that happened recently. Last night, the NFL was taking place. Thursday night football, which I think when the NFL started it, they said, oh, this is great. People love the NFL. Let's give them another night. We've got Sunday night football that, you know, that works. We've got Monday night football is outstanding. Uh, in December, we have Saturday night football. It gets great. And they're thinking, why not? Why not give the people what they want? Give them more NFL. And as we've seen, Recently, and in the past couple of years, there's been an overwhelming groundswell of NFL players that don't like it. And I think people have started to look at it and say, hold on a second. This doesn't even look like the NFL because it's so sloppy and the product is just bad. And you saw that unfold again last night. The Falcons and the Saints were going on a key divisional rivalry game that has playoff implications. And you could tell the teams were just off. Uh, the injuries cropped up again. 
it, it just the product on the field is suffering. When you only have four days to prepare and game plan, it's going to suffer. And more importantly, the injuries that you see. And Drew Brees, who is one of the most important voices in the game, talked about it after the game. It's 100% a product to play on Thursday night. Do you understand what guys' bodies go through, you know, in a game? And then to have to turn around four days later and to play? I mean, look at the injury studies. They're off the charts. They're off the charts. So is, is, this, is this smart as it pertains to guys' health and safety? No, absolutely not. All right, here's the thing. Drew Brees and the players are right, and they've been more vocal than they ever have been before. And it's a good thing because it is a different product. But you know what? They all signed up for it. They all said, sure, we'll do it. These things are talked about in the CBA. You agree to play more games and play them in prime time and play them on a short weeks because they bring more money. That's the thing that gets lost in all this. The players are sitting there saying, wait a second, this sucks. This is awful. We're losing guys left and right. You agreed to it. Now, in saying that, I do think there's a really easy solution. And we saw the NBA players get vocal with the back-to-backs, with the, you know, the, the playing too many games frequently in a week. You had four games in a week. It was way too much on the NBA players. I think you could still keep Thursday night football, but you just have to plan it out, and you have to get in front of it, and you have to make sure that teams have their bye week in front of the Thursday night game. And I think it would be a little bit complicated. It would be a little bit of a headache for the NFL to do it. Maybe every team doesn't get showcased on Thursday night, but trust me, they won't be complaining. But I think it can easily be done and it's different because I hear the people that the people that complain the other way, which I don't know. They're, I don't hear that many people saying, well, what, what's the big deal? The people that do say, well, what about Thursday? Thanksgiving was never a, an issue because Thursday games have always been played on Thanksgiving. And those people say, well, how come it's just a big deal now? It's a big deal now because there was only a handful of teams that were doing it. It was only once a year and it was sort of a one-off and it was, it was unique, and the players kind of – and there probably were more injuries. I don't, again, like Drew Brees said, I don't know the injury studies. I don't know what they were looking at. But it definitely now puts players more at risk. And just to hit on what Drew Brees was saying on a short week, so I've, and we talked about this with Raja uh, a few weeks ago. So your body coming into an NFL game, um, if you play Sunday and you have a game, imagine getting into 30, 40 – depends on what position you play – 50 – car accidents like little minor just some of them are bigger than others but every nfl play is kind of like a car accident like you get hit that significantly your neck snaps back your body takes this jolt your head gets knocked silly so imagine going through that many car accidents on sunday so typically on monday guys will come in they'll get their their lift on they'll watch some game tape they maybe get a massage then you go home you're still really sore like it's hard to walk the next day Tuesday's your day off. Again, recover, relax, watch some film. You're starting to get a little bit better. That's the day really guys get massaged, take care of that, you know, off the field stuff. Wednesday, you're right back in it, and that's your hardest work day. You're coming back. You're putting in pretty good work on the field. Nobody does contact anymore in the NFL. Nobody really tackles. But still, your body, and it's really when your body starts to kind of get some of the lactic acid out, you start working out. Thursday, Thursday, you're still sore. Like you're still dealing with aches and pains from that week. Friday, you start to feel a little bit better. Saturday, you probably are at 90%. And then finally, when you have a time to breathe, it's Sunday, you're 100%. Maybe if you're lucky, most guys are at 90%. But the thing is, the schedule I was just talking about, when it's Thursday, you're probably only 60%. You're still banged up. Those bruises take a lot of time to heal. They take rest. And when you force that issue and put guys back on the field, they don't want to be there. They're trying to play through these pains because they want to play, but it just, I think that's what contributes to the really ugly play that we're seeing on Thursday night football. So hopefully there's a solution. I think the players will get noisy about it. And it's interesting because the players are noisier now. They're using their voices more so than we've ever seen. And I think they'll get this change adopted because the NFL has to look at it and say this. And Raja, again, he, he hit on it a few weeks ago, said the NBA players view their relationship with the owners as a partnership and the NFL it's it's like the enemy. It's the players on one side and the owners on another, and they're fighting back and forth. They're never thinking, what can we do together? And they have to change that for the sake of the NFL because I still think the NFL is in trouble. Ratings are declining. Fan interest is declining. Players are quitting the game earlier than ever before. They've got to do something to salvage the game before it's too late. There was also – so, Debo, give, me, so give the people the rundown on what Sean Payton did because I thought this was pretty fascinating. 
So about 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter last night. The Saints were winning at this point, 17 to 10. Devontae Freeman, Falcons running back, makes a run for zero yards, and the camera catches Sean Payton on the sidelines, making a choking gesture, <laughs> a la Reggie Miller. In, in Madison Square Garden, obviously referencing the 28 to 3 blown lead in the Super Bowl last year. After the game, Devontae Freeman said, you know, it didn't really bother him. He's from a, a tough area and stuff like that doesn't bother him. Uh, Sean Payton also had an unsportsmanlike conduct call late in the game for running out to the field and, uh, aggressively calling a timeout. So just kind of losing his cool in a couple situations. You expect more from a head coach, right? Yeah, I think so. I think the, the choke thing is, is, It'll get a lot of talk today, and it should. I think it's it's mostly you leave the trash talk to the players, and if you're, it all depends on what type of environment you're trying to create. And I think there's like Rex Ryan's a perfect example. He was brash. He liked to talk a lot of smack, and I think his players love that because they're not they're used to coaches being different. Like they you know they stand over there and they don't show any emotion, and they're trying to you know portray this professionalism. So I think it can work both ways. Ultimately, with this one. Especially with this this rivalry that you know has playoff implications this year, that NFC NFC South is as tight as it gets. I'm just surprised he would do it at this point in time. Like I, I just I, I don't get why a coach would go there. I just think it classless. Maybe you know I don't I don't think it's that big a deal ultimately. But I just say I always say be careful what you do. And look, it came back to haunt them. Like they should have won the game, and the Falcons come back to win. So now you look like an idiot. It goes back to. If you're going to talk trash, you can talk trash if you back it up. And now, because you did that, people are going to remember it. And, oh, by the way, you've got to play this team again on Christmas Eve, which will probably be a playing game for the playoffs, depending on what happens with the Panthers. So imagine how fired up the Falcons are going to be now, not only at the players, but at Sean Payton. Like they're going to, And NFL players don't get into the, the bulletin board material too much, but this is, this is different than bulletin board material. This is a coach directly mocking your performance in the Super Bowl, blowing the 28-3 lead, this one will this one will sting a little bit. The Falcons will be looking to sweep this series because of that gesture. So I think it's it's fun, but, man, you got to be careful when you do it. I, I just always think it's better for the, the players to do the trash talking because a coach does it. I don't know. I think it is kind of a bad look when you go there. You, do I sound like an old man, Debo? Do you wish there was more trash talk from the coaches? No. You know how I feel about uh, celebrations in the end zone. Cool with that, but I think that might be crossing the line. Yeah, no doubt about it. It'll be. I do think it'll add salt to this rivalry, and it's going to be interesting to see what the players say and, and leading up to their next matchup, how much they use that as motivation. And they might. I'm now the players will start trolling Sean Payton during the game. Like they make a big play, they're not going to go over and talk to the fans. They're going to go right up to Sean Payton and talk smack to him. So it'll be interesting to see how that uh, plays out. We talked about um, the players using their voice, and they have been vocal. And I guess, are we going to have a name for this segment, Debo? You got a name for it? Or are we just playing this audio after we intro the segment? I just call it, what? All right, yeah. And it's Russell Westbrook. He's saying, what, do you have it? You got that audio? Give it to what? me. What? <laughs> yes. I think that was most people's reaction when they saw that Roger Goodell, commissioner of the NFL, who has been one of the most harshly criticized, and deservedly so, um, most questioned, most controversial commissioners in sports, and all sports, that we've ever seen. Like, this guy has botched every single major decision he's had, he's had to make, so much so that Jerry Jones was fighting this extension, saying, hold on a second, what are we doing? He signed a five-year, $200 million extension. That for if you're doing math, that is forty million dollars, all guaranteed. And I think most of the players' reaction was like Russell Westbrook was, "What? Are you kidding me? This guy is going to get this type of money, and he's been doing as bad a job as he has been." And I don't, I don't hate on anybody for making. When Jimbo Fisher got seventy-five mil to go to Texas A&M, congrats, you got your money, you get paid, more power to you. When these NBA guys are getting two hundred million dollar deals. Congrats, more power to you. But you know what the difference is? Most of those guys have earned it, have deserved it. Have the reason they get these contracts is because they produce on the field. Their their potential is there. And not not, a, not even potential. They've already proven that they can be superstars, that they can produce at a high level. That to me is still very much up in question with Roger Dell. Even more, I wouldn't say question. I think it's been proven that he's bad commissioner. He's bad for the NFL as 
you know, yeah, he's negotiated some of these TV deals where he's made the, the league a lot of money, but I do feel the NFL is in jeopardy. It's in trouble. The ratings are declining. You've got the issue with uh, Colin Kaepernick, and, and the president is calling out the NFL, and you've just sat in there and handled this as bad as anybody possibly could. Domestic violence has been handled as poorly as anybody's ever handled it. Everything's been reactionary. He's Roger Goodell has always played from behind. He's never playing ahead of the game. It's always catch up. And now for him to get this type of contract is is just it is perplexing. And I get the players that are calling him out. You've got current and former players tweeting out um, all kind of comments. The uh, Brandon Watts tweeting that boy Goodell getting Steph Curry money. LOL. Hashtag rack him up. Uh, Cameron Jordan, wonder if he had to fight for guaranteed money. No, just football players. Hmm. Hashtag uh, ski mask the bag. <laughs> That's favorite. My favorite are the ones that are referencing the black ski mask Hall of Fame for that one. And it, the, and it's no like everybody jokes about robbing in the NFL. Like I stole from the NFL for seven years. I'm fully admitting it. And it's kind of what you say. Like especially if you're not a star, if you're a guy, you just want to get. Everybody wants to get paid. You're all in it to make money, to make a living. And for them to call out him and say he's stealing is kind of hilarious because it's kind of the lingo that goes in the locker room. But the one that I thought, or a couple that I thought really jumped out to me were Joe Thomas, offensive lineman for the Browns, one of the, uh, you know, kind of offensive linemen don't get a lot of love, but he's one of the most famous offensive linemen. And I, I, he's a great follow on Twitter, but he had a tweet and he's been hurt. So he's been more active on Twitter. And he said, Tom Brady makes $20 million per year. The NFL commission makes $40 million per year. So does that mean Roger Goodell is twice as valuable as the NFL and twice as hard to replace? And then he gave him, hmm, emoji, which he's 100% right. The players, and not all of them, but the guys like Brady, the guys like Peyton Manning was, the guys like um, uh, any any player that's as big as Russell Wilson uh, is more important to the league. And what, the question, Joe Thomas followed it up and said, who are they? Who is he competing against? Because usually in a fair market, you get more money because you're better than other options. Roger Goodell, as far as we know, no one else was discussed. There was no replacement. Like they're not having to bid against him. There's no other entity. There's no other. It's not like the NBA is saying, "Oh, we're not really happy with Adam Silver. Maybe we should go try to get Joe. Tom, uh, should get Roger Goodell." That's not happening. He was fighting against nobody, and the, and the NFL just said, "All right, we'll just write you a check for 200 mil." That to me makes no sense. The part that I have issue with is when other players, so Dominique Foxworth came out and tweeted out, now to suck the fun out, Roger wants health care for life too. Know who doesn't have that? Ryan Shazier. And he's pointing out the Steelers player that was hurt and is you know having spinal cord injury. It's a very serious, very scary issue. And it always comes up, players get upset when the NBA makes guaranteed money, when you see Roger Goodell making, NBA, uh, making guaranteed money. The problem I have with it is Dominique Foxworth was a player rep. He was one of the guys that was actively involved in negotiations with the owners in this last CBA. Where were you then? Why didn't you negotiate guaranteed money? Why didn't you negotiate Thursday night football? No, because you got worked over in the negotiations. That was my problem. With why are you going to go out there and yap now when at the time you had the power, you completely failed to use it? So, yeah, I get it's cute to go run to Twitter and tweet out something about Roger Goodell and crush the money he's making and to crush the lack of guaranteed contracts. But how about the next time we make sure that happens in the collective bargaining agreement? When you're having those negotiations, use your power and use it correctly. Don't let it fall by the wayside or else you're going to be sitting here stuck on Twitter while Roger Goodell is cashing paychecks. All right, Debo, let's move it through. What do we got? The NBA, some action last night, some young robberies going at it. A young rivalry and an old rivalry renewed. Well, we'll see. The Lakers beat the Sixers, hard for me to say, 107-104, and it was an exciting finish. Ball by Embiid. Ingram for the lead. Got it! Got it! So Lonzo Ball, that's our boy Lonzo Ball. Ball's big assist, right? Again. He had a game-winning assist. The assist to Brandon Ingram <laughs> for the three-pointer with .8 seconds remaining. Lakers get the W. Lonzo, 10 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. Ben Simmons, a triple-double. Embiid, 33 points, 5 blocks, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. The stat lines were eye-popping. The highlights were there. Are, are yeah. you into this rivalry yet, or is it going to take some time? It's it it's not Magic jumping center in the 1980 finals. It's not Dr. J dunking to seal the 83 finals. But are we back on track with this one? We're, no, we're not anywhere near to where we where we want to be with this rivalry, and I think it has incredible potential. But until it gets really juicy, 
like, and which is probably not going to happen for a long time. Like those, the rivalries you mentioned, a lot of times we saw those in the playoffs, right? In the finals, the NBA finals, when these teams were good going at it, the regular season. Yeah. It's, uh, and I think it's gaining traction. Like I, I'll be interested to see, cause if there's no, there's no way that it would beat the NFL Thursday night ratings, but I bet it put up a really solid number. And I bet their ratings were up at this time last year, as opposed to the NFL ratings, which were probably down from this time last year. But for me, I, I do feel like it's, it's good to see. Some rookies, and not not all of them are rookies, but you saw Alonzo playing well. You saw Joel Embiid, who we haven't seen much because of injury in his first couple of years in the league. But you're starting to see and Ben Simmons. We didn't see it all, so he's starting to play. But it's good to see brands that were drafted really high all starting to produce and perform well, like and to be on teams where they're not kind of forgotten about. Like Phoenix has a lot of young talent. You don't even know who those guys are. Like you never get to see them play, and they've been awful. But I think the improvement you've seen in these two teams – are what's going to make it stick out. And I think it will be great. I think it is really in a good place, but I don't think they're there yet. But you're starting to see it. Like, I, there's there's some excitement, and, and for good reason, um, with these guys when they take the court. I The one thing, again, and I feel guilty admitting this, Debo, but with Lonzo, I, I want him to fail because of his dad, which is, I feel, which is awful. Like, I think he's a really good kid, but I, I can't stand his dad that much and the way his dad handles things and his dad – Made headlines all week long, pulling kids from schools, uh, signing agents, working these deals, criticizing coaches, uh, you know, everything. I don't want Lonzo to succeed because I want his dad to look like an idiot. Does that make me – I'm a bad person, right? I don't, think <laughs> yes. that's your, I don't think that's your best take. All right. All right. So I got to turn that around. I got to make sure I start rooting for Lonzo because he really hasn't done anything. I just, I, all right. Here's a better take. I wish he would distance himself from his dad and and be more vocal – against his dad but he never will it's his that's dad. fair he's st- he's still yeah. 20 years old so he's got time for that but i think right yeah. now he's... i don't want to be a home wrecker though i don't want i don't want to wreck this this family's home all right so i'll just i'll root against the dad i hope he shuts up and people stop putting him on tv how's that that's and good. i hope lonzo still balls out i hope he still plays great this one didn't gain as much traction but jalil okafor's dad last year made a lot of comments in the public about wanting his son to get traded and yesterday that finally happened I'm going to ask you, were you ever in a position in your career to ask to be traded? I think I know the answer. <laughs> no, I don't. I was not. I uh, was never good enough to feel like I demanded a trade. Uh, the last time I almost quit a team because I was ticked off. So the last, my last year in the NFL was with the Denver Broncos. And I, when this is crazy because I felt like I was at the best, most optimal performance of my career like I felt really great in the system I was in great physical shape I felt like I was a really good spot for the team I was a good locker room guy I felt like I had some leadership I felt like I supported Jake Plummer the starting quarterback and I was the second string quarterback so but I felt like I knew my role and I was really in a place to succeed if anything happened to Jake Plummer if he got hurt I felt like I could go in and play and in training camp, we the the Broncos had brought in a couple quarterbacks, and I knew they liked them a lot. They had drafted one um, in the seventh round, Bradley Van Pelt from Colorado State. He was local. I knew the, the owners really liked him a lot. And so I knew they, they liked him, but I was watching us play every day in practice. I'm like, I'm definitely better than these guys. Like, there's no way they can put these guys over me. I mean, literally, they kept stats at practice, um, like all of it. I was like, I'm better than these two guys. And all of a sudden, I got benched for them, and it was early in training camp. And I went and I remember I called my wife and I told her and I was about to walk out and just leave in the middle of training camp, just quit and say, all right, you guys can cut me, but don't make me sit through training camp if you're going to cut me in a few weeks anyway. And my wife was like, don't do that. You're going to regret it. Don't do it. So I sucked it up, went back in there, played out the three weeks (laughs) and then got cut. So I wish I would have done it and forced it because once I got cut, it was too late. The NFL season had just started. Like, I didn't have a chance to learn another playbook. And it was the last time I was able to uh, really market myself. And I, I lost out. Like, that was the NFL. That was the end of my NFL career. So looking back on it, it wasn't an opportunity for a trade. But I wish I had forced the Broncos to cut me, which is kind of a unique situation. Like, not many guys are in that one. But I was like, hey, if you're not going to keep me around, let me go shop around. Let me go try to sell myself to another team. And, and that was the closest Prefer thing. to end your career on your own terms? I I knew I wasn't good enough to do that, but it was Rod Smith, who was a wide receiver for the Broncos. He used to go around the locker room telling everybody this, all the young guys, he would tell them, he'd be like, Hey, 
they're going to have to run me out of this league. You're going to have to run me out of this league. And every player should have that attitude because it's just such a unique lifestyle. You don't get that opportunity to play. And some guys think, oh, I got a million dollars in the bank. I'm set. I got $2 million in the bank. I'm set. Even with, with the money in the bank, it's just such a fun experience. Like you, and it's such, it's not, it's a dream scenario. It's a dream world. Like you get to go play a sport for a living and get paid a lot of money. Don't give up on it too soon, but it's also a grind and it takes a toll on your body. So different guys for different reasons will quit. And unfortunately now we're seeing more guys lock up more money and quit the game earlier than ever. But hey, I get it. It's tough. So. Well, well, I don't think Okafor, like you, is, is good enough to ask for a trade. People like him because of that tag as the number three overall pick a couple years ago as a national champion in college, as a top recruit coming out of high school. But should teams really be forced to cave into these trade requests? It wasn't a demand from Okafor. He handled it pretty well. He said he would like to move on and have an opportunity to play, but he just isn't good. <laughs> yeah, it's... I think the NBA, the players have more power than any other sport. And I kind of like it. Like, I like the way they're able to dictate their own terms, the way they're able to get these huge uh, guaranteed contracts. And I, I get it. A lot of it's because there are fewer numbers. And But if they're not happy, like, they can make a huge impact and a negative impact in that locker room. And they kind of shut it down. In the NFL or Major League Baseball, even if you went in and tried to force a trade and acted grumpy – like, that's just not happening. Like, you, it's really hard to force a trade in the NFL. But I say, hey, if you can do it, if you can wield that power and put yourself in a better position to succeed. And, look, I'm sure Jaleel – and that's the thing that's crazy to me. Jaleel Okafor, this Sixers team is really good. They've shown a lot of signs. But maybe he doesn't want to play with the players that are around him, saying, hey, my minutes are going to be limited because I've got Joel Embiid who's tearing it up. You know, is that, I'm not going to have to fight for minutes for him. Let me go somewhere else where I can flourish and maybe more of a part of a centerpiece. Although he's not that good, as you pointed out. He's appeared in two games this season, just a total of 25 minutes, and he's been mostly healthy. It's just the inability yeah. to get on the court. So uh, good luck in Brooklyn to Jalil Okafor. Real quick before we move on to some Heisman Trophy talk, LeBron James, he bought a second house in Los Angeles <laughs> for $23 million. Danny, why would you buy two houses for 23 and $21 million? Wouldn't you just buy one big house for, like, 44? <laughs> That's my... That's my I mean, that's, logic. That's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, you could be a, you could have a $45 million pad, maybe overlooking the ocean that's probably on, you know, 15 acres or whatever you can get for real estate for $40 million. Let's overreact. Uh, it, it, does this yeah, mean he's, he's signing with Dundee the Lakers? Done deal the Lakers. Done deal the Lakers, right. right? Is that our Clippers? But, Where's he going? He's playing in LA next year, right? That's the, that's the, yeah. that's the conclusion tell you can me, make off this. Tell me which one? one. Lakers or Clippers? It's, <laughs> it's gotta be official right now. Uh, if, and this is, this is, call me crazy, but if you're LeBron, and you've already had issues, and this is, goes back to LeVar Ball. This is why I can't stand him. Do you want to go play? And maybe he loves Lonzo, and Lonzo might be a really good fit for him to play together. But do you want to go play in a team where somebody's dad is going to be calling you out and maybe calling, checking your minutes, and he's already gone at him, and, and they've already had issues saying, stay away from my son, keep my son's name out of your mouth, as LeBron did? I, that's, it's just like more of the, the blowback from LeVar Ball. But I'll say this. I don't think LeBron finishes his career in Cleveland. And he's going to go to the best place that gives him a championship. And there's a lot of young talent in that Lakers team. Clippers are a mess. They're falling apart. But the, the Lakers, like you can put yourself around some young talent. The thing is, LeBron, with his attitude, who likes to come in and wield his power and have everybody kind of buy into what he's selling, in every place he's been, he's had other teammates who are familiar with it whether it's rejoining forces with people, whether it's his best friends when he goes down to Miami the first time with D. Wade, but he gets people to buy in. If he goes somewhere completely new and doesn't bring somebody who's familiar with him to help him implement that message in the locker room, I wonder how it's going to go over with younger players because he is more passionate about winning. And this is why I love LeBron. Like I love him and hate him because there are some things he does that's really annoying, how he has rabbit ears and he's great and still insecure as much success as he had. But I love his passion for the game, and I don't. And I love the fact that he loves to go out there and lay it all on the line for 82 games. I wonder how that goes over in a in a locker room where if he went to the Lakers, it would be a generation apart. Like these are much younger players than him that probably don't have the similar mindset as far as. And we see it with Lonzo; he's not great on defense. We see it with other players; they don't care on the defensive side of the ball. That's a newer mindset. How does it come in when LeBron comes in and tries to lay down that law? I don't know. Maybe they'll bow down and say, hey, this is the king. We're going to fall lockstep in line with what he says. But I just wonder how that would play out if he, if he uh, you know, takes that 
uh, opportunity to make one last run in a new spot with new scenery and a brand new house. <laughs> he, or two. He's, he's got to get his guy James Jones or Shane Batty or someone to go out there with him, come out of retirement. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Looks like LeBron is on track for winning the NBA's most prestigious individual trophy, the MVP award this season. How about college football, the most prestigious award in, in all of sports, really, that recognizable Heisman Trophy? The presentation is on Saturday night. It's all locked up. Baker Mayfield is going to win it. It's not even on the betting boards. Uh, it seems like we cover the Heisman more than ever, but it, does it still mean more than ever, Danny? I think it means an incredible amount. Like I think it, it's it's the I think it's the most illustrious fraternity in all sports. When you look at the la, you know the the sheer just one a year gets the award. I think it's uh, you know it's because it, the Hall of Fames they have more guys that get in. This only goes to one player a year, so I think it still has that prestige. The thing I don't like about it is I feel like it's been whittled down to a criteria that I'm not too in love with because I think most of the times it's a running back. Probably 90% of the time recently it's a running back, a quarterback. It's 90% of the time it's a quarterback. About 10% of the time it's a running back. And you know we've seen once every 15 years you might get a defensive player like Charles Woodson who actually does a lot on offense while he's winning that year, but. You also have to be on a national championship contending team. You have to be in the hunt, and you have to put up huge statistics. So it eliminates a lot of guys like Lamar Jackson this year who won it last year. He had no chance to win it this year because his team fell apart, and his team wasn't that good around him, although statistically he's won, uh, he's, he's had almost exactly the same numbers uh, as a quarterback, as a player, and yet he was never considered this year for the award. And I think, Baker's, I think Baker deserves to win it, but – I just don't love what the award has become, how it's become so narrowed in its focus as far as what people are looking for in a candidate. Do you think it should be given after the national championship and after the bowl games? I do. I get why they put it here. It's for ratings. Like it's a, you create a whole show around it, and there's some buzz. And there's no doubt if you had it last year, um, Deshaun Watson probably would have won it. There are other years. Christian McCaffrey probably would have beat Derrick Henry because of his Rose Bowl performance that year. But here's what I wouldn't want it to become, because I used to have this debate uh, at ESPN all the time, was you don't want it to become a one-game award, you know, or a two-game award, because I think that would have, you'd have a severe recency bias where people would come in and they'd say, oh my gosh, that guy just had an incredible playoff performance. Like, let's give him the Heisman. So I, there's, it's really tough. Like, I, I think I would love to see it. But I think that could create some problems. But I think it would give you a better, truer sense of the best player in college football. But I also wish they would. Ha I wish they could change their voting somewhat, so there had so you had to vote for a defensive player. <laughs> like, and maybe you could put them third. But so it forced you to think about defensive players as possibly the best players in college football. People go back to Ndamukong Sue in 2009 and him being really the best player in college football, but not getting a fair shake in the Heisman balloting, finishing fourth, um, even though he might have been the best player on both sides of the ball. Right. And then, uh, I mean, this was crazy, though. Remember Manti Teo? Yeah. He was a runner-up. He was runner-up for the Heisman Trophy, which I had totally forgot about. I was doing my radio show the other day, and we were talking about runner-ups and close races. He was in the hunt till the end. He had the sob story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The yeah, factor. the Lene Kakua story. We're allowed to make <laughs> but, fun of that now. Yeah, exactly. Enough time, enough time has passed on. And but I do wish real. there was a way we could think about it differently and kind of change our, criteria, our criteria. I think there are too many voters. I'm a Heisman voter. There's over 900 voters. I would love to see that number whittled down to about 300. Like there's a lot of guys that just have a vote and they think it's cool and they love to put it in their profile on Twitter. But I don't know how much they're really watching every single game and really investing the time to stay up late and watch Bryce Love as he's playing at 2 a.m. in the morning and they're finishing games. So I think there's some things you could do to help the Heisman Award. It won't get changed because of the TV stuff and because it, it's been this way for so long. But I do I don't like the way it's been diminished because of the voting process and because we only give it to offensive players. Would you be a part of that 300 that keep the vote? <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's the only way I would propose the change is if I get to keep my vote. <laughs> Just curious about this. When you were at Florida State, you backed up a Heisman Trophy winner, Charlie mm -hmm. Ward in 1993. It seemed like – Back then, it was much more natural, but it was much bigger. Now it's all, all these school advertised campaigns for players. 
What was it like back then to be the backup for Charlie and just the aura around him with the team and the hype as you guys were very talented on the field, but then having this individual that was getting that recognition? Why don't you got to ask me about my Heisman campaign? Huh? Why, why, why don't you got to ask me about my run? What was your highest uh, finish? <laughs> I, I'm, I don't know the I answer I to that. Seventh. But I was, but I was leading through seven or eight games of the season until we, we, cause we were number one team in the nation. <laughs> Again, I had the formula quarterback, number one team in the nation. I put up a lot of big numbers my senior year and we were in the national title hunt. And then we lost to uh, Virginia on Thursday night football and I threw three picks and the rest was, <laughs> and then I was knocked out of the race. But to your question about Charlie Ward, like it was not like nobody, Charlie was such a good dude. Like he was so humble, so quiet, didn't ever talk about himself, never talked about the Heisman, you know, never um, asked for the uh, support, asked for votes, you know, tried to campaign for it. And and we were in the national title hunt, ended up winning the national title. But the guys all like it didn't become a focus, like nobody thought about it. I didn't realize what a big deal it was until he won and they had a parade uh, or a ceremony in the stadium after he won. And I think it was like a Monday night and the stadium was sold out and they had fireworks and it was just for Charlie Ward's Heisman Trophy. And I was like, whoa, I'm like, this is a pretty big deal. Like, I didn't know it was that. I mean, I knew the Heisman Trophy was the most prestigious award, but I didn't know what it meant to Florida State. I didn't know how much it would change Charlie Ward's life because he was absolutely inundated with autograph requests and people coming out of left and right. You know, I mean, you should have seen the players lined up at his doors because you get the Heisman, right? December, you know, first week of December. Then we have the national championship after New Year's, but you have Christmas and players like 50 players be lined up at his door with autograph balls. Like, Hey, can we get an autograph to get home to our family as give us gifts? Like that was the number one gift for Florida state players that year was to give their family Charlie Ward signed footballs. So, I mean, I saw, the impact it had on Charlie and how much of a strain it was because everybody was coming at him for requests, interview requests, autograph requests. I mean, you saw firsthand how it changed his life. Can I break some news to you? Yeah, what do you got? Uh, you never finished in the top ten. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. I'm on I the... thought I was seventh. I thought I was seventh. So, 96, you're saying? Yeah, 95, I did, definitely didn't crack it. So your teammate worked on finished fifth overall. Ah. We got Byron Hansbird. Darnell oh, yeah, Altry, uh, Peyton Manning was eighth that year. You oh, were... that's messed up. I had better numbers than Peyton that year. That's messed up. Jake gotta... Plummer, your boy Jake Plummer was third overall. That's the year that Danny Warfold took it home. Uh, no, that was the year after me. That was the next year. I was 95. All right, so 95. Yeah, see if you can get me in the top 10. I <laughs> uh, can't do anything for you there. <laughs> Not, my year was uh, Eddie George won. Eddie George won the year that uh, that I was uh, yep. can't, work done ninth there, but you, you're nowhere to be found. Still, in the top not, still nowhere to be found. So we're searching. Right. We're searching. Thanks for exposing me. You're going to make me out there trying to create fake, uh, fake stats out here now. Next. Yeah. Heisman Trophy this Saturday night. I want to throw this in there. Every year I make a bet with my grandmother about the Heisman Trophy winner. She loves the presentation. <laughs> You're I, not going to steal money from her this year, are you? I you're win. not going to try to get her to take Lamar look, Jackson or Bryce Love. Listen to this. I win every single year. The other day I had a phone call. She said, I think I like Oklahoma. And I was bummed because I couldn't take that $20 offer this year. <laughs> That's messed up. So we're you betting, we're betting on second place. Oh, all right. There you go. That's fair. Who do you think is going to be second place? I said love. I think I agree with you. I think Bryce Love will get second place. I think there's, there's no chance we'll ever see another, uh, Heisman back to back winner. I just don't think people want to see it. The Heisman winners don't want to see it because they feel like it's the most exclusive club. They don't want somebody to join Archie Griffin in that category. So I don't think we'll ever see a back to back Heisman trophy winner. Even though it might be deserving, I just don't think we'll see it. The, the, the uh, press voters, all of us wouldn't put it in, which I think is kind of messed up again. It goes back to the flaws in the award. So not much mystery with the actual first place finisher. So let's make up some fake picks and props on our picks and props segment that we do every week. Um, Danny, I tossed this one out a few weeks ago when Oklahoma was about to play West Virginia, and you thought my number was way off. So I'm going to toss the same one this time. If we had him mic'd up, how many times would Baker Mayfield curse during Heisman Trophy hour? And the number's a half of a curse, over under a half. Wait a second. So you're thinking uh, during the Heisman festivities, right? Right. You think he's only going to curse? He's not going to curse at all. That's 
it's up to I'm you. I'm taking the over every single Again. time. <laughs> you don't think you will? It's. I'm just setting the numbers. It's going to be over 100. I'm and I. I'm assuming, sawing some of the language he used in the field when he was talking trash to Kansas and grabbing his nuts, that he likes to talk a little trash and uses to mix in a little colorful language. And this is the thing that's kind of funny about the Heisman. It is a cocktail hour, like an, maybe a cocktail two hour before things get kicked off. Like when you see those former Heisman winners on tra- on stage at the at the actual presentation, half of them are tanked. Like they're like watch them closely, and I think you'll see them kind of ambling off stage, maybe stumbling a little bit. It's a cocktail hour. Guys like to have a good time. They're there. I'm not saying Baker Mayfield would, but there is a lot of smack talk among the Fordman Heisman Trophy winners. When he's talking trash with some of those old winners, I guarantee you there'll be some there'll be some colorful language. So he's going over in the in the in the day of the ceremony. He's going over for sure. All right, over one half of a curse. Keeping that yes. cocktail hour in mind, um, which former winner? They're pretty much all there. Most likely to fall asleep during the ceremony, and I have some odds here. So you got 2007 winner Tim Tebow at plus fifty thousand, Ricky Williams at plus two thousand, Johnny Manziel plus fifteen hundred. <laughs> Robert Roger Stahlback plus twelve hundred, Archie Griffin plus a thousand, two time winner, Steve Spurrier plus five hundred, and then the leader in the clubhouse is Johnny Lujak at minus <laughs> one fifty. That's your nineteen forty seven Heisman Trophy winner, and he's ninety two years old. I'm going with a ninety two year old. I work out at a place and where I live, and there's a lot of senior citizens that are in there. They are napping all the time. There's like a couch in the locker room after you work out. They're falling asleep in there all the time. I'm going with Johnny Lujak, 92 years old, and I don't blame him. I would be napping too. My money's on him. Even if the return isn't that good on investment, I'm taking Johnny Lujak. All right, Danny's betting Lujak. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep close tabs on that. All right, this one actually about the future of the Heisman Trophy finalists. you got Bryce Love, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. If you can bind the draft round number of these finalists – are you going to get over or under three and a half? So pretty much I'm asking, are they all going to be first rounders? You would take the under. If you think one of them will drop to the second round or below, you would take the over in this case. I'm going to take the over. I think it's pretty easy too because there's significant question marks about all of them. If I was drafting, I would take both probably Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson with late first round picks. But I think when the draft process gets all and done, all done, I think they're going to knock Lamar Jackson for his lack of fundamentals. I think they're going to knock Baker Mayfield for his lack of size. He's not over six feet. I think it's going to hurt him. Bryce Love is kind of the unknown. We, you know, do we see running backs unless they're physical specimens like Saquon Barkley? We don't see them go that high. So I'm going to say that it goes to over. I'm going to say they over. And I don't know which one. My guess would be Lamar Jackson probably goes in the second round, but I'm going to take the over. Hey, how about our CBSSports.com mock draft the other day at Lamar Jackson number one overall? Well, well maybe, really? maybe hold your takes on that one. Uh, we'll <laughs> definitely right. discuss that in the coming weeks. That sounds right, good. Yeah, All right, let's – Raja not here today for picks and props. So last week, do you know what your record was when you picked the conference championship games? Uh, I don't know. So <laughs> well, better than Raja. Raja went one and four. You went two and three in your conference championships picks. Uh, quickly, let's give you a chance to redeem yourself All with a right, couple, yeah, couple NFL yeah. games. Vikings minus three at the Panthers this week. Uh, both teams in the playoffs right now. Both teams exceeding expectations this season. Vikings minus three at the Panthers. All right, I actually love the Panthers in this situation. I typically love the home dog. I think I think uh, Cam Newton can do enough with his legs to kind of keep the Carolina Panthers team moving enough where they'll be able to move the football. It's sooner or later, as much as I love the Case Keenum story, I think he's going to get exposed by somebody, and I think Carolina's defense is good enough to do it. So I like the Panthers versus the spread. Eli Manning is back in action after a one-week absence, snapping that 210 games consecutive played streak. The Cowboys, though, favored by four points in the return of Eli. This game's in New York. Who you got? This is easy money. Go with the G-Men. Again, the home dog. I love it for one reason only. They cleared house. The players clearly didn't like Ben McAdoo. They clearly, I don't know how they felt about Jerry Reese, but Ben McAdoo, they were not playing for. They were ticked off that Eli was benched. They're going to do everything they can to prove to say, hey, look, you guys made the right decision by firing their head coach. I love the Giants in this situation. Plus, all the money's on the Cowboys, so I'm going to take the Giants to cover. 66% 66% of that money is Bam. on the Cowboys, and we know Easy money. you go against that. 
We'll see if you do it here. The Eagles are plus two and a half on the road against the Rams. 55% of the money is on the Eagles. Two of the top teams in the NFC, it's going to come down, and a, a lot of people are projecting it as Carson Wentz versus Jared Goff, that one-two battle from last year's draft class. Who you got here? I actually like the public money in this one. I do think the Eagles, they had the rough performance against the Seahawks last week. Everybody, you know, I did this, this thing on set with down there at CBS Digital when we were saying, hey, is it time that there are serious concerns for the Eagles? I was not concerned at all. I'm still not concerned. I still think they are the best team in the NFC. And I think they prove it with a road win. I'm not even going say I don't even need the points. I'm going to say they win the game uh, against the Rams and reestablish themselves as the top team in the NFC. So picks and props, we haven't learned yet if we should go with Danny's picks or eventually <laughs> fade them. Two and three yeah. isn't, isn't enough to tell. We'll give you a, a couple weeks to figure that out. All right, yeah. I want to end with – it's Friday. So yeah. Friday means it's five-star Q&A. And you can get your question answered on this show by leaving a review, a five-star review on our Apple podcast page at Off the Bench with Canel and Bell. Got a couple for you today. Uh, this is from Jesus AC. And, Danny, you, you carried the show today without Raja. <laughs> yeah. This relates to that. Regarding your smoothness on air, it seems like you've gotten a lot sharper with tone and your vibe. Did you work on it all yourself or use any other tools to get more comfortable on air? Wow. Are you sure it wasn't Jesus or do you think it's Jesus? <laughs> I think this guy's, I think this guy's Jesus. Okay. All right. Cool. I love getting a question from Jesus every single time. Um, I thank you for the compliment. I hate the sound of my voice. I've hated every second of this podcast because I think it's been too much Danny. I like it when I'm able to interact. So thank you, Debo, for filling in. As far as the smoothness, which I still would very much question, I think he's sucking up just so we got the question read. I would say it's all about reps. Like in broadcasting, anytime I ask, you know, young people trying to get in the business, whether it's somebody that's just trying to be a host or it's an ex-athlete, I tell them all the same thing. Do everything you can to get as many reps as you can because all that tone stuff and the you know, um, uh, vibe, all the things that you try to try to get and try to um, achieve when you're broadcasting so you're comfortable, unlike this last sentence where I totally botched it, you want you want to have confidence. And basically, the more you get comfortable, the more confident you'll get. But I will say this, Debo. One of the weirdest um, meetings I ever had at ESPN in Bristol was they signed me up with a voice coach. And so I had to sit down with this guy, and he was basically trying to tell me how to get this tone, how to get this vibe, how to, how to get more polished and sound deeper and more professional and sound like a broadcaster. And he had me doing these exercises. And I'm telling you, Debo, I looked like an idiot. He had me yelling out. So he's like, hey, he's like, when you were in the NFL, you had to yell and you had to take leadership. He's like, what did you have to do? And I was like, well, I called plays in the huddle. And he's like, all right. He's like, call a play. And so I was like, all right, ace right trip, wing Sadie, Q hot Louis, half 17, wing and Y out. And he's like, all right. He's like, that sounded pretty affirmative. And he's like, what did you do at the line of scrimmage? And I said, well, I had to bark out the signals. He's like, all right, you want, he's like, I want you to bark out the signals. And so I said to him in this exact tone, I said, all right, white 18, white 18, set hut. And he said, well, that's not what you did on game day, is it? And I said, no, I yelled it. He's like, all right, yell it to me. Now, mind you, we're at ESPN in like offices where there's multiple meeting rooms around me and he's having me scream out signals like I'm doing it in a stadium of 80,000 people and other people are like around the hall, like looking like, like, what is this guy doing? It was the most <laughs> embarrassing thing I've ever had to do. And I was like, they wanted me to go back to him. And I was like, no, I think I'm good on the voice list. What, what's more so, pressure, Giant Stadium or the ESPN offices? <laughs> I don't know. Probably Giant Stadium. But uh, that could have been embarrassing, too, with some of the interceptions I threw. But far more embarrassing was the ESPN offices having to do those drills there. It was awful. And that doesn't even include some of the weird face warm-up muscles exercises that were really weird. Awful. Well, shout out to Jesus or Jesus for that <laughs> yeah. question. We got a lot of good ones that I want to get Raja involved on uh, regarding him. Uh, crazy nights partying while in the NBA. We'll definitely ask that when Raja's back next Friday. want to end on this one. Danny, put these three in the order of what you believe exist more. The Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, and Aliens. All right, I'm going to go with all three I think do exist, but if you ask me what order they exist, I'm going to say Bigfoot, number one, 
Loch Ness Monster number two, and Aliens number three. Because I think we have we have very solid evidence on Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster. I've seen the pictures. I've seen the footprints. I've seen the video. I don't need to see any more. Aliens, I think we'll see them within our lifetime. I think we've seen glimpses of them. But where, why aren't they showing themselves yet? Like some of those, I need to see more proof of aliens. How's that's that for you? That's a fair point. I'm not a big aliens guy. <laughs> All right. I'm not either. I do like the question. I like questions like that better than anything about football. I like those kind of wacky questions. So we'll keep those coming on our five-star Q&A. I'm done talking because I don't like hearing my voice this much. I am done. I hope everybody has a fantastic weekend. Thanks for checking out the pod. Make sure you subscribe and download to us on Apple Podcasts. Check out our Twitter account, at Canel and Bell. My man Debo is killing it on there. Road a to 1,000. We're getting What's there. That? We want to periscope the show. We want to get to a yeah. thousand. <laughs> That's right. We need a thousand. We're going to start periscoping the show. Maybe we'll even put it on YouTube TV. So keep hitting us up on Twitter. Get back to us. Give us some feedback there. Uh, and also at, at our uh, Apple Podcast page as well. So thanks for checking us out. We have a huge week slated for next week. Some big time guests. Thanks for joining us. This has been episode nine. Have a great weekend. 